This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Yeah. How's the heat? How's the heat in the house? We're good. Yeah, so it's, um, it's my gas valve. My gas valve. When he was here last week, he, uh, no burrito dogs today, but when he was here, uh, <laughs> I can pull a dog. He was just like. The dog is famous now. Yeah. I, uh, I sent the reel to, uh, the goon squad and Nick was like what is that at the end and I was like it's a burrito dog <laughs> <laughs> my little dog is just hanging out fucking burrito dog no we'll see we'll see what we can do hello and welcome to another episode of in a pickle the show that is dedicated to the less glamorous side of sports I am your host Dave Houghton and with me today trying to wake up from this gloomy morning Sarah Raytalic Sarah. Hello. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Oh. Uh, for all all of you uh, listening right now, Sarah just woke up. Yeah, ew. She's, but she's on her second cup of coffee, so we're we're getting, we're, we're getting there. You know, I'm gonna try my darndest to be spunky. And That's all we're asking for. It, you know. It's gonna be maybe twenty percent today, but I'm I'm in it to win it. You know what? I usually ask for about at least no less than seventy five percent, but um, I'll I'll take twenty. I guess fine. You were up late last night writing up all the news for this week's episode, and boy, is there a ton of news! Also, we gotten into NBA conspiracies on this month, this beautiful month of March. And we got a very special guest coming on later in the show, John Corrales. He is from the Boston Sports Journal and also Locked On Celtics. He's the host of that on the Locked On Network. He's a good, dear friend of mine, and I'm excited to have him on. Yay! He's, usually, he's, um, he's always been very supportive of me, and um, I don't know why, but that's that's um, nice. I should ask him that. That should just be what the show is. <laughs> yeah. So. so, John, you are very supportive of Dave. Why? So let's we'll find discuss out. this. We'll find out later <laughs> in the episode when we talk NBA conspiracies and we get some uh we get some good ones that uh I actually forgot to send you. So you're gonna I was gonna say I was like, oh yeah, it's, done. It's, yeah. It's, it's been a it's week, been a long huh? week, okay? It's it been a very really long has. I'm just not fully invested in outside of life. You know, I'm just like there's just so much shit going on, and I don't know what to do. Yeah, you don't have to explain it to me. I get I it. This I this know. past week, I mean, I've not been sleeping, so oh. it's one of those that, yeah. Nice. So when I do fall asleep, I'm like, I can't wake up because yeah. I probably fell asleep. But then I have to wake up and do like Life. adult things, like work and tend to animals that I try to keep alive. Yeah. All right. So let's get right into it because we got a very busy show today. Plus, we got to get John on the show. He's got to wake up as well. So let's get into the news. What is our first? Now, before we start, though, this is like all NBA news. This is right? all NBA news this week. So- it's been a wild week for former NBA players as well as present NBA players as well as an owner 
of where an NBA team plays. So it's been a, a wild ride this week for a Adam Silva really needs to get his house in order here. We could also talk about a few other things like the Joe Mixon and yeah. you know Jama Chase, but I feel that those could be saved for next week as we need more information on a lot of things. Right, right. Uh because a lot of it's very vague still, but I figure since we are an NBA conspiracy, let's just roll with it. Cause it's, yeah, I, I actually like it. Wild. I like the theme today. It's uh it's fun, all NBA for the NBA conspiracy show. Um yeah, I'm I'm excited. Uh, you know, I'm here for it because I have to be. You're here for it because you have to be. So, well, I'm here for it because I'm insane and I just want to do more and more projects because well, that's why the hell not, right? You know, it's better than huffing paint and doing crack. Mm, says you. All right, let's get in the news. <laughs> All right, Sean Kemp, classic Rain Man. Seattle Supersonics finest. Oh, for sure. Uh, he was booked uh, for an investigation of a felony drive-by shooting on Wednesday, March 8th in Tacoma, Washington. No charges were immediately filed when he was re- and he was released on Thursday pending further investigation. Tacoma police said an altercation between two occupants of two vehicles near the Tacoma Mall led to shots being fired. Kemp's attorney, Scott Boatman, said in a statement that Kemp's car was broken into and items were stolen, including an iPhone that Kemp tracked with Find My iPhone and found it in an occupant's car where they began shooting at him and he returned fire in self-defense. Hey, that's okay. Also, this episode brought to you by Apple Products. Thank you so much, Apple, for sponsoring this show. Find My iPhone. Save the day on this one. For real. Not Sean Kemp and his guns. Save the day. So when this story first came out, it was immediate, like, uh, of course, like the news hypes it up, like Sean Kemp does a drive-by. And then when you sent me that story, I go, he's like 60. He is drive-by. In his 50s. So it's like, yeah. But I mean, like, it's drive-by at that age? I mean. I mean, to each his own. Yeah, I I guess. And then, of course, in, in my wacky life i um decided to google map the spot where he uh allegedly had the drive-by and it's like a goodyear tire it's a mall it it is a mall it's a mall yeah Yeah. but there was like a where exactly the spot was of the drive-by it was like there's a goodyear tire shop there and like burnout uh tire marks all over the ground like that's where and and this was from four years ago but this is like a an active scene where people go and race but it's just so funny that like the news just kind of really did sean kemp a disservice and just jammed it up real quick and of course i mean we're guilty for that too because like you see the first initial news story and says sean kemp arrested for drive-by shooting like oh my god sean kemp i love sean kemp he was great he's got like 150 kids people of all people this is like what also like he's never left washington that's that's pretty impressive You know, I mean, he did leave a couple of times in his career, but like right after his career was over, he went right back up to uh, old Washington State. So that's pretty that's pretty yeah. big of him. Something maybe about we- the maybe he's actually Sasquatch. Oh, never thought about that. You know, maybe he is. And that's why he had that's to go back to the Pacific Northwest. Cue the conspiracy music here. 
Well, that's impressive. But it just turns out that he was just returning fire from the two gentlemen, I guess you can call them, who was firing at him because they stole his shit. Yeah. Green Man was uh, making it rain with bullets. Yeah. Nobody was hit. and Nobody uh, was hurt. Nobody was hit. Everybody needs target practice. Yeah, exactly. Clearly. I, I don't understand that. But it's one of those two. I was like thinking about it. I'm like, man, these former and current NBA players should really stay away from the mall for a bit. Oh, my God. Because clearly the mall is the hot spot for right. bad things. Yeah. And yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. In Sean Kemp's defense where you're going to call the cops and they're not going to do anything. No. They're not going to go track down the, his phone and. And arrest these dudes. I'm like, nah, I'm going to take justice in my own hands and just go. And I'm sure he was like, hey, you guys stole my sh- my sh- my shit. <laughs> Give it back. Yeah. And then they pulled out a gun. And Sean Kemp's like, um, I'm a rain man down on you. And then he quickly <laughs> took a basketball out of his trunk and just dunked over these guys into this oh sunroof. Oh, my God. Oh. Yes. And then there they were shooting at him. Fight. They were shooting at him while he was in the air, but he was returning fire from up in the from air. That's the why air. nobody hit anybody. And it's just why doesn't anybody go for target practice? If you're gonna carry a gun, at least go for target practice somewhere. You would have to go in the woods and it's I mean, winter. Maybe if you had a registered firearm, you could just go target Bingo. practice in there a you go. actual range. I'm sure yeah, Sean why? Kemp does, but well, yeah, Sean Kemp, yes, but you know, these other folks probably don't so they'll be in the uh backwoods shooting some beer cans and beer bottles off the fence yeah i'll do <laughs> so I just have... now was anybody arrested though besides sean kent were the other two guys arrested so here's what's funny about it is i couldn't find anything because everything was like sean kemp sean kemp right. sean kemp sean kemp because you know he's a big name so everybody wants to have that name as their headline i'm sure Unless by time the cops finally showed up. Yeah, those guys uh, booked it. Yeah, they were like, peace in Greece. And he got his stuff back, I'm going to guess. Because he's like, yo, I tracked my iPhone. Right. Um, The vision I have is just like how you were saying that he was in the air dunking. (laughs) Is like Michael Jordan in Space Jam. And you know like how he's like got his arm stretched out so far to try to dunk the ball. Yep. That's Sean Kemp. So yep. he's like trying to reach into the car to get his stuff back, but also shooting <laughs> like the vision I have in my brain. While also trying to dribble a basketball because I, I just. Picture all, yeah. He all never of a sudden, stops. all of a sudden, these arms just come out of nowhere. I also envision him in his supersonics uniform for some reason. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. For some reason. And it's the gold, why. the gold one. Yeah. The yellow golds. Yeah. With the green. That's a good one. It is a good one. That's so cool. And all of a sudden, the high top comes back on his head. (laughs) He's got the high top back. If anybody was in the Tacoma area and they see some shell casings, I will gladly pay you for a Sean Kemp shell casing. Doesn't even have to be. Yeah, I'll give you a dollar. Dollar fifty. Fifty to cover the shipping. You know, somebody out there in the sports collecting world went down and and grabbed the shell casing. How could you not? How could you not? Whether it's Sean Kemp's or not, it's involved in him. So, but uh, I'm I'm glad that Sean Kemp wasn't actually just out doing a drive by. Um, that makes it a little more comfortable for all me. Yes, so. it was. It's been a very long time since his name has been in the news for anything, yeah. and especially something like this. It seemed out of character. So 
I was like, huh. I mean, he does own up there. He owns what, like two or three um, weed shops. Like he's yeah. doing well for himself. So why would he want to? He used to own a restaurant too. I don't know if he still does, but he's got. Yeah, a couple but of weed podcasts. shops are way more yeah. profitable than a restaurant. A restaurant's yeah. bad business. Everybody needs the weed. Yeah. Nobody should work in a restaurant. It's terrible. It's a terrible job. Says the man who works in one. That's womp, right. Womp, womp. No, dude, the service industry in general is the worst. Oh, it's god awful. I mean, that's the reason why they made walk-ins, so you can go in there and cry. It's yeah, that's why we have a back room at work, so yeah. I can go out back and punch boxes and scream. Yeah, it's the scream. The walk-in is the scream room. That's yeah. I've always said it. All right, speaking of screaming, what else is going down this line? Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. So this one's this one makes me laugh. The New York State Liquor Authority has initiated proceedings that could possibly strip Madison Square Garden, Radio City Music Hall, and the Beacon Theater of their liquor licenses. However, Madison Square Garden Entertainment Corporation has filed a lawsuit against the New York State Liquor Authority, accusing the regulator of threatening to ban alcohol at its venue. The source of the spat. This is where it's so funny to me. The source of this this dispute is Madison Square Garden's use of facial recognition technology to deny entry to lawyers who are involved in litigations against Dolan or MSG. And Dolan owns all three of these properties. Yes, he does. What? There is something that, what What do you call something like this? It, it's such like playground, like bullying, where it's like, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Yes. Dolan is the worst owner. And like, he's never done anything like, you know, the other terrible owners that have done like racist things and, and called it like the Clippers owner back in the day, Sterling. And um, uh, what's the, what's the Phoenix Sun saver, Seaver? Whatever his name is. Yeah. But like Dolan is why the Knicks do not win anything. And he all does he own the Rangers as well? I don't believe so. No, I think so it's, it's he owns the Madison Madison Square Garden and the Knicks. I don't believe along with uh Radio City Music Hall and something else. For you, first of all, facial recognition profiling people that come in to see if you're a oh, he lawyer, does own the Rangers. He does own the, the Rangers. He does own the Rangers. Wow. Well, Oof. well that's why, that's well, why, that's why New York's New York. Nah. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. Yeah, that's why those teams are always just dying. But yeah, fe- facial recognition. Like, that's, that's just weird. Like, facial... I don't want anybody who's trying to sue me into watch the game. I'm like, what? You're using all this technology to stop lawyers from coming in to watch the game like that is like the biggest like immature waste of technology stupidest thing i've ever heard there's a million other things that you could do how about you try to i don't know hunt for bad guys and or save some of that money that you spend on the facial recognition to maybe make a better product um why don't you use it to get custodial services at msg and clean it oh you could do that yeah i mean that's basic right you yeah, know maybe maybe wash a toilet or pick up some trash everyone there in a you while. go Unbelievable. Uh, yeah a spokesperson for msg told fox 5 new york that uh when the litigations end 
that the attorneys would be welcome back at MSG. But state law the lawmakers of the state have been pushing back, saying that um, the liquor authority should definitely pull their liquor license if they continue this practice. Yeah, it's like like yeah, you can come back once you're done. Once you're done trying to sue me, right? Absolutely, you know, coming at us. So it's like uh, I don't understand why. Why like, can't we all just get along and go to sports games? And well, that, I mean, it's just weird. Just, it's very babyish of him, which it isn't. It's very, not out of character. It's not out of character at all for him. You know, he's just one of those guys that is just like whatever he does all the time, no matter what. It always makes you question. Be like, how is this dude not thrown out of town yet? He's done nothing great. Not that I know of. I mean, I don't live in New York. He's done nothing great for the city. I mean, maybe he has. Maybe maybe he's, like, great for, like, you know, toys for tots. He loads up them bins. Or maybe he donates yeah. a, a a large portion of cash to some sort of underprivileged charity or something. I doubt it, but, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It just seems a guy who's using facial recognition to ban lawyers and people that are suing him to not come into his arena and then he gets slapped in the hand and he's like and they're like well we're not gonna make, we're not gonna have you serve alcohol anymore because um that's weird you're gonna do this we're gonna do that how about how about that and now honestly i'm not saying that you need a beer to watch a game but how many people would not go to a game i know because it's kind of the, uh, you know, the ambiance. Yeah. Now you, you have a beverage because it's oh, for a lot of people. It's a night out. So, you know. Right. That's true. You got a sitter. So you like you're just going to have a beverage and enjoy this. Right. Um. I mean, yeah. Again, can I go to a game without having a beer? Absolutely. Will it be far more enjoyable if I have one? Probably. Will yeah. I run my chops a lot more? Absolutely. So. I don't I don't know. Maybe it will maybe it'll be better for the New York crowd to not have alcohol, but No, because they're just gonna sneak booze in. Oh yeah, there's so many ways to do that. Of course. So many ways. Put it in your prison wallet and you know you you make a a hair bun and you put a Ziploc bag in the hair bun. Oh, look at that. Sneaking alcohol into events with Sarah. Yeah. Every every ten on the hour. Yeah. <laughs> we'll tell you a new way. Oh yeah, but th- this is just stupid. Dolan's just a I don't know. He just seems very immature and childish. But it's New York. I know. So it's know. something where it's expected with New York, unfortunately. Yeah. And the Knicks are having such I don't know about the Rangers, but the Knicks are having such a good a year this year where it's like something like this. I don't know. Something like this could might maybe potentially derail the team. Where Same it's with like, the Rangers. They've been having one heck of a season. They just got Patrick Kane. They did, however, I would like to point out, lose to the Penguins yesterday. So, ha, 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 ha. I meant to text you yesterday about that. See if you guys were, you and your husband were fighting. No, not really talking. We don't talk when they are playing. And we have two more games coming up oh, where they're yeah. playing each other. So, we just don't talk. Uh, also, you know, not not that I don't I, – I think, honestly, that Dolan wouldn't really give a shit, but, like, not having – not selling beer in all those events, not even just MSG, but Radio City Music Hall, too, that really affects the employees that uh, at all the concession stands. That so, do tips. Yeah, this is yeah. huge. What are you going to do with them? 
That is a huge thing. And like you get in line for a beer. How many times have you been there for a beer and seen like the soft pretzels or Mm -hmm. the popcorn or maybe like French fries or some other some Mm. other junk food that you like food? Hmm. You know what? I'll have that, too. And then Clark Daughteries. Yeah. And it's like now that you're not selling beer, how many trips to the concession stands are you really going to take? Not a lot. No, not at all. So now I'm wondering, are they going to move if they did strip them of their liquor license? Will they move those employees to custodial workers? Because they really need to clean up that place. No, because now you have now you affect the custodial union. Everyone's got a union. Oh, everyone has just, a union. You can't just throw Cliché. people in certain places. Plus, like, if you were selling beer and making, like, you know, just say $300 a night in tips, and now you got to go clean the bathroom at an MSG, I'd be like, take this job and stick it up your ass. I'm going to work at Yankee Stadium. See, there you go. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go down to City Field and get a job there. I'm not going to work here anymore. My not big question there. is, if this was to happen... What would, you know, would would they have a time limit on it? Would he be able to appeal it? And how would this work for sponsorships? Well, that's a that's a good question on sponsorships. I would say, I mean, he could probably appeal it right away. Like if it actually goes into effect. And like, I mean, I don't know how it works in like the, the real life. But like if you can appeal something in sports, you can still play while you appeal your suspension. I don't so, think so with liquor licenses. I think with liquor licenses, you have to, it, it's instantly started from a date that it was notarized and stamped. Right. And then right. it because has to like, go back to court. Or something like that, where there's so many millions of dollars involved. Yeah. Be like, mm, you know, I don't know. But if he, that if that was to happen, we take a trip to MSG and be like, all right, load up the car with the kegs because you ain't going to be using them. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll go because right what are they going to do? Side. Are they going to do a prohibition situation and pour all the booze out on the sidewalk? No, you're going right. to load up my car, right? We'll get four kegs, we'll sit outside MSG with red cups and kegs, five dollars a cup, drink as much as you want, throw the cup in the street because New York's a, a trash dumpster, anyways. I don't know, maybe we'll make some like shopping cart, um, videos. Well, okay, yeah, shopping cart videos where you just We'll roll each other with the shopping carts. I was going to say like hibachis. You know, we'll just flip oh, the shopping okay. cart over. So build a you're over fire. here. You're over here. Like, oh, we'll we'll make food, and I'm over here. Yeah. Like, yeah, we'll get destructive. Yeah, we'll get destructive <laughs> we'll, and break. We'll our hurt teeth. each other. We're <laughs> forty. Everything hurts in the morning, so let's hurt ourselves more. Yay! Let's jackass this. <laughs> oh man, that's a good idea though. Can't All complain. Right, let's get a, <laughs> let's Can't get complain. Out of this Dolan situation. What a jerk. Uh, what a. What else do we got? Are we are we on? Uh, we're not there yet, right? Are we? We are there. Wow, we're, we're already there. at the big pickle, huh? Yeah. Jeez, I wonder if the audience can guess who this week's biggest pickle is. Unbelievable! If you have even glanced at the news in sports this week, then you would know exactly who this week's biggest pickle is. But in case you didn't, Sarah, who is this week's biggest pickle? Well, I would like to point out that. Uh... This is the first time in IAP history that we have a back-to-back Biggest Pickle. Whoa! Stop the presses! Get yeah. out of here! First we have time in IAP time. history, we got a back-to-backer. Now that deserves an award. You know, the Golden Pickle. 
The wow. golden pickle goes to Ja Morant. Oh, yeah. That's madness. It strikes again. It's really just, I feel pained more so now than I did last week. Who knew that one trip to the strip club would cause this much problems? Most married men. I mean, Mo Vaughn did when he flipped his truck. Yeah. After he left the strip club, but I mean... <laughs> Just, just go back to the hotel room. Wow. Um. Yeah. So, so last week we discussed that uh, Jamarant was going to be out for a few games. Well, as, after we had recorded last Monday, um, that all changed. There's no timeline on when he's going to be back. Uh, the Grizzlies d- did state that there are a number of steps that he has to go through to come back. However, I couldn't find a list. Unlike um, What's-His-Face, where they gave a full-on list of things that he had to do, the Grizzlies were just like, oh, yeah, he's complying with what our expectations Oh, you're talking about Kyrie Irving? Yes, thank oh, you, my yeah. brain. Yeah, See, yeah, yeah. coffee still hasn't hit the, no, it's okay. it's the, the right. central artery yet. So there's a apparently the Grizzlies have provided him with several things that he needs to do in order to come back, and he's approve himself yada 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 let's let's play a game let's guess what would be on that list let's just do top five things that are on the list that the grizzlies are telling john morant not what not to do number five i would say stay out of strip clubs that's one number four make a donation to an anti-drug anti-gun campaign okay all right that's a good one three would be stay away from malls or any shop related thing if you do have to go to a store call us and we will send someone to pick you up and then tell them what you want and they will go into the store while another person sits in the car with you and make sure that you don't leave or they're like here's an amazon account please utilize this <laughs> yeah or, or or that or yeah. just just get your all your stuff at amazon it's fine two counseling not just for himself, but family counseling with that whole family. Yes, yes. I, I and my my number one was going to be like stay away from your family, but if you can't, that's a great idea. Just all of you. So one maybe, and two will will yeah, merge. Yeah. So maybe you can get like a discount rate for group therapy, or maybe you can just stay the hell away from your family because well, they live next door, so it's kind of. Everybody. Now we have now you found someone else that's involved in his family. Someone new, someone that we didn't even know existed yet. And now okay, so we have his father, Shannon Sharp, got an altercation on the court, right? Or on the (laughs) sidelines of the court. His mother got in an altercation with somebody at Foot Locker or Foot Action or Foot Stores or Foot Friendlies or whatever the hell shoe store they were at. And John Morant came over and roughed up a security guard and then his brother is bringing uh teenagers over to his house and they're playing pickup basketball games and john morant's getting in trouble with them and now his sister is asking for john morant's assistance and something so you you have that story about what his sister did oh do i yeah uh i just uh... My head in my hands. My head is currently in my hands. That's why I sound like this. Uh, 
Now, Jar is responsible for his own stupidity. The, yeah, you know, the gun in the strip club. Yeah. Now there's photos of him in the strip club, which I I, I thought was a a, a privacy privacy thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I I don't know, but I'll I get into that, that yeah. too because I got I get stuff all over the place. We're we're every which way. I We've got a the, lot. The cameras are in the in, in the the private booths for the the girls' protection. But uh, regardless, go tell me what John Morant's sister did. <sighs> so. TMZ has reported that Ja was investigated by cops for assaulting another teenager. So this is an alleged incident that happened with a high school student back in September. According to a Germantown police uh, police department report, the interaction between Morant and the teenager had happened at Houston High School in Tennessee on September 22nd around 7.10 p.m. In the document, it says that at an after-school volleyball game, Morant's sister, who attends the school, got into a verbal argument with another student. Both parties had called each other a bitch. However, Ja's sister decided to pick up the phone and call her brother. So, yeah. And the best part about this is not so long after, you had Ja, Ja's mom, Ja's dad, Ja's baby daughter, and a group of adult males show up to the gym. Like, a whole caravan shows up. I wonder if they rented one of those mall vans where you transport people and they all travel <laughs> together. Um, Yeah. Most of the group, excluding Jaw's father, I just really, 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 really wanted to emphasize this. He was, like, one of the ones that stayed back from this. Jaw's father stayed back? Yep. He stayed back. Like he did, like he was at the gym, but from this situation that transpired, he kind of stayed away from it, which I was like, oh, okay. All right. Pretty smart. Everybody else is just popping off like crazy. Yeah. So they went up the stairs to the stands and confronted the students in the stands. And Jamie Morant, who is John Morant's mother, Allegedly went in, like went up there into their faces, and was yelling, "Which one of you called, you know, called her a bitch?" Right. And the cops stated in the document that they told Jamie that she cannot confront students, and that they cannot make a scene at the school. However, as this conversation was taking place, one of the men with John moved past the police and walked to the students. Witnesses on the scene said a man slapped a phone out of a student's hand who, while the student was trying to attempt to take a picture of Ja in the stands. And then he said to the teenager, I don't care about none of that. I will beat y'all's asses. Now, what's weird to me is that a witness had uh, later said that a man with that man was about to pull out a gun. Though the cops on the scene said in the documents that they never observed a firearm during the incident. So the next day, parents went to press charges. And then Moran's mom wanted to press charges on the student that called her daughter a bitch and just craziness. However, so this is where I can spiral. You can spiral. But real quick on that gun thing with the witness saying that and the cops saying they didn't see it. I believe there was a gun because guns have been the topic of a conversation around John Morant. 
We've had the laser pointer situation with the right. Pacers, which could have been a gun. Now we have this nightclub situation. Have this this guy that was with them having a gun doesn't seem so far fetched in my mind. Okay, so let me let me just quickly go on the defense here. I know this is uh, not a typical IAP move, but um, I can appreciate the fact that the family sticks together and they fight for each other. Okay, so John Morant's sister was called a bitch at the mall. I at mean, school. At school. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, at school. No matter what, I mean, she has to be at an age where she needs to defend herself anyways. And I understand, like, I remember growing up, I always told my sister that if anybody gives you any shit, let me know. And you kind of like, you know, you're the big brother, so you need to protect y- your 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 siblings, your younger siblings, right? And I tell my kid, I, I tell my son the same thing. You know, when you get older... If anyone's you got to you got to protect your sister. So I could I could see where that comes into play. What I don't understand is the mindset of this whole group. Now, this was back in September, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we can kind of. And when was the when was the basketball? That was July. OK, that was right. July. And the mall incident was also in July. And then this was in September. Ugh. Man, it's hard to defend him. All right, so I'm only going to defend the fact that, like, he's being the big brother, okay? But now, in actuality, you are a, again, I have to say this, you are a multi-million dollar, you have a multi-million dollar contract with a huge organization that is your job. This is your career. Very, very public figure you are. You cannot go and threaten people. And if you do go and threaten people, just go send your posse. Take for I, I can't believe I'm gonna say this, but like take a page out of your father's book and hang back. Just right. hang back. You first well, of all, you shouldn't be at the school. I, I'm pretty sure that's not right. Right? But like you have all these all these friends that you, you're hanging with, the you kids that you grew up with, people that are in your entourage now that have always been in your entourage. They're not famous. Let them go and settle somebody's business. That way, you're not implemented in anything because sooner or later, I mean, if you keep showing up to the scene of all this BS that's happening, you're really going to have to pay because right. someone's really going to get hurt. And you're, I, I have to say, um, I kind of agree with you where there is a gun. And now I really think that there may have been a gun with, on top of that laser with the Indiana bus. The only thing... Where I don't agree with the gun at the school. If somebody brought a gun to school, like, holy shit. Like, that's a whole different can of worms there. But I would just say that maybe somebody said there was a gun because maybe they knew that the other situations with the other stuff that was going on. But you're right, though. It Was there a gun? Most likely. Is somebody just trying to make the situation a lot worse than what it is? Most likely. I so mean, nothing. It ended up, you know, because this was all allegation of this allegation that I mean, nothing really transpired because they have no criminal charges or anything like right. that. But I'm just saying the story, the story is a lot juicier if there was a gun involved. Oh, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Whether or not there was a gun involved, it's a lot better of a story if there was a gun involved. 
quote unquote allegedly you know so i'm gonna play the opposite side because i'm a little sister to a big brother right so my brother i mean depending upon age he would he would scare the crap out of someone because my brother's massive he would do that but he's not going to go and confront anyone my i would if i was to call my brother and be like no no I, me, I wouldn't go and confront i'm not me. i'm not telling i know i know no 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 go to I'm... the school and beat the shit out of anybody who talks right. to your sister i wouldn't do no. that either with my sister but you just like you go and pick up your sister at school and you stand outside your car and looking all big and tough like like you're from the 80s no. movies no no my brother <laughs> if i called him and was like somebody called me a bitch he would be like because you are. And then <laughs> I would figure it out for myself. Well, yeah. I mean, well, it's, that's that's the biggest lesson here. Figure it out for yourself. Figure it out. Like you know, battles, and I that's the thing. We in the world, there is a lot of bullying and name calling, but you also called another student a bitch. So like they called each other bitches. Right. So if you're name calling and I'm name calling. Like, either we fight or we move on and we're just bitches. Like, what are you doing here? You can't call some. Yeah, you got called a bitch. Then you called them a bitch. And then you call your brother like and expect it. And then your mom comes down wiling out like like off the rails. Yeah. Which that there like somebody get her some Xanax as fast as possible because she's clearly a lot of the problem that's the trickle down effect yeah you know we were talking prior that we thought that t was the problem i know right more and more i'm like i don't think that i think everyone in this family is losing it because of her i mean allegedly because of her but you know from what we're seeing from our eyes and what we're reading and what we're hearing about it seems like this is all surrounding her. Like she, the, and the other thing that's heartbreaking for him is that for Ja is that his whole family is so reliant on him now to handle things mm-hmm. that what is the expectation for him to handle? You know, she has another brother. So why couldn't she have called her other brother to come down? You know, why couldn't she have just called her, her parents and been like, Hey, like, this is what happens. Can you come pick me up or something well, like that? Why is everyone so reliant on him to fix situations? But not for nothing. It's just name calling. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got hurt. Why you got to call your brother if somebody called right. you a name? Who cares? Like, like, I've been called some awful stuff and I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's what it is. <laughs> like, yeah, you're not I wrong. Mean, <laughs> I mean, I worked in a dive bar for 14 years. People called me every name under the sun, and I'm just like, uh huh. I call you all those names before we start recording. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. You make sure that we're not recording while you call me all those terrible names. But I mean, like, that I that's another problem with with the world now. It's like the the pussification of the youth, where it's like they just can't handle any of their own shit. Where it's like Oh my God! Somebody called me a name. I gotta call someone, and and, and we're gonna have them beat him up. Figure Just it out yourself. Fight him out. Like, come on. On top of everything else that's going on with John Morant, now this is happening. 
Right. You know, there's another allegation of uh, of an underage child being involved in some sort of whatever happened with John Moran, which is now the second kid. Plus, he got the security guard at, at the mall. The third kid, because technically he did with the incident at the mall. Right. He did threaten to come back and like, let me know when that that kid's off. Let me know when he's off. Right. Right. So that's the third under like the third teenager right because he threatened he punched and now this is another like intimidation tactic it's just it's a lot and that's not even the worst thing of this week's biggest pickle either for him right no No. so so he was let's just say (sighs) the good news of john morant is that he was cleared on the weapons charges in in colorado so he's not under investigation for the gun I don't know what possibly transpired from that and where, how they didn't see anything wrong with the gun. I mean, bringing a loaded gun to a strip club is very um, scary. Bring a gun anywhere. On an airplane, on, on airplane. a bus. What else happened with Ja? All right. So we're going to do a quick little rewind to that before I go into the this other little snippet. I was trying to think of like how to be clever with this because it's now a rewind to the pickle. So I was like, oh, I'm going to call it pickle juice. Shotgun Willie's the strip club in Denver. Where wait, a the... minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Shotgun Willie's is the strip club name. Shotgun Willie's is the strip club's name. That's I mean. We have funny strip club names like in Massachusetts. Golden Banana. Golden Banana, Squire, uh, the Cabaret. Cat- Cabaret. I mean, cabaret's legit though. Like that's a well, yeah, that's, that's like a perfect. That's a legit. I mean, Golden Banana, you would think is like a men's male strip is club. like male strip right. club, but it's right. not. It's not. It's all these women that I think you went to high school with. Most. Yeah. Whatever. You went to high school with. <laughs> yeah, I went to high school with as well. Yeah, we both went to high school. Actually, funny story off the side there. I ran into a girl one time at the Squire who was um, I went to school with, and it was awkward. I was like, oh, I'm going to go now. So nope. anyways, so Shotgun Willies. You just went on a spiral. <laughs> I just want to I want to go and see if Shotgun Willie sells T-shirts because I now desperately want a Shotgun Willie T-shirt. Shotgun Willies. Oh, uh, so this is the strip club in Denver where the Instagram video was taken. They have released pictures of Jot in the strip club as well as the amount that he had spent. Is that an invasion uh, of privacy, though? I feel that anytime you walk into a public establishment, you have to have the sense of awareness that you are on some sort of camera or you're in, it's public, it's a public place. But that was a private room. Quote, allegedly, private room. And that's, that's what it comes down to is that you, we don't know their policy and procedure and clearly they were like, oh, I wonder who leaked those photos. Was it the strip club or was it the, the law enforcement that took those videos as evidence? And then somebody, some cop is just like, click, you know, while yeah. they're watching the video. But well, regardless, though, they had interviewed the majority owner of Shotgun Willies, yeah. who is Deborah Dunafon. Dunafon? Dunafon? That's. Uh, Interesting. I feel um, like Deborah Dunafont says, I do declare John Morant was here. 
that is the voice I actually read it in. Yeah. And then she's got the fan. Oh, yeah. And she's just fanning herself. Oh, honey, John Morant's hair. He's in the back room. I do declare he's spending some paper. Can I get you a whiskey and a dirty glass? Hold on. Let me hike up my legs. (laughs) Can I get you a lollipop out of that woman's butthole? (laughs) I'm sorry. I just watched Pineapple Express the other day because I I did that video of John Morant and and, uh, Danny McBride with the Uh, little gun. I used to see this one as a prostitute. It took me a minute to uh, actually... um, Understand what was going on in the picture? uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was confused. I was like, oh, he's going to have pink eye in the morning. Yeah, I didn't... I for some reason I thought like she was um giving him fellatio. I I was all confused. And then she I was probably like, was. You don't know. Well, no, I mean in, it's in like that, blurted that out. You don't know in that particular picture. And yeah. then um and then I I'm looking at it and I'm like oh oh that's that's her bum oh okay and then I'm like wow that's a lot of money everywhere and then pink eyes surprise that's yeah. what it's called. And then the best part is I posted that picture of of. Of the picture that the New York Post posted. What? (laughs) (laughs) And somebody on Twitter pointed out, be like, something about people eating in strip clubs always baffled me. And then I'm like, oh, my God, there's a bunch of food on the table. On the table. There's like I didn't even notice that big ass spread on the table. This episode brought to you by Shotgun Willies. I want to provide her quote because her quote is is gold. In my mind, this kid, real young, was exceptionally respectful and sweet and did not drink on his second visit. We've had Nuggets and Broncos players come in and pitch quarters at the girls and be disrespectful and nasty. He's marvelous. you got to be a certain kind of asshole to throw a quarter at a fucking stripper. I'm sorry. Now, as for the gun... It was said that some of the dancers were scared and made complaints and the police investigated it, but there was no, the the evidence was insufficient so that they couldn't press any criminal charges on him for having the gun. But I mean, at least he's respectful while at a strip club, I guess. I guess his mother taught Um, him that, huh? uh, The best part of all of this stuff being leaked, though, is the New York Post's headline. It's the best headline of 2023 thus far, and I I need somebody to try to top it this year because this is number one in my book. The title is Inside Ja Morant's 50K Gun Tote and Booty Bender at Strip Club. This is the, this this headline. Who knows? I got to say, though, the New York Post has always been great for headlines like that. I love it and I hate it all at the same time. All at the same it's time. Just like, I, I don't want to talk about him anymore. And I really want him to get I I hope he's getting help. Obviously, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say he's done for the year. Oh, has to be. Well Unless my last the playoffs. snippet is a big one. Oh. Um, so with all this other stuff going on, you know, he was becoming the face of power raid. And this was the first time in 36 years of Powerade's history that they were doing a full-on media blitz. Like, full-on. They were like, you're going to be our face. You are going to be our guy. Like, they were going to run with this campaign. And this was a great move 
if he was to have stayed out of trouble, because then you have this face going up against the Gatorade face. Right. This is huge. Then it would bring on more athletes. Huge, 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 huge. And it was said that they were looking to spend um, more than $10 million on national TV commercials, digital ads, uh, radio spots, and all this different stuff. So sadly, after all the releasing of all of Jaws stuff, um, Coca-Cola has pulled all of his ads, marketing materials, and all that stuff for Powerade. And um, his multi year endorsement maybe done so yeah okay so that's like the first major sponsorship that he has acquired that has now pulled back on him because of his outside of the nba something like that now there's going to be sponsorships that are, are gonna pass him over because they he can't be trusted Right. You know, even if he does get clean, it's still like you're gonna invest so much money in that and something like that. And then all of a sudden, like it's like we're gonna yeah. lose all this now. We spent ten million dollars on all this and now we can't use it and it has to go in the trash. Not I mean, could you imagine the only one making profit off of this is shotgun willies. Shotgun right. willies made fifty K like Binga well, Benga Boonga. Well I, and then half. Yeah, well, because it's mostly like strippers. Yeah, unbelievable. Well, let's hope this this guy gets a little bit of help. I don't know. I need a little bit of help. I think we We all need a little 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 help. help. You know, we all need a little help. And in fact, we're going to have a little bit of help on this show. John Corrales is coming on, and we're going to talk NBA conspiracies. So let's get him on. Let's go. Let's let's see what John has to say. Hope he knows what he's getting into. Uh, He should know, because we've known each other for a long time now, so. Hi, I'm Don Brody, a comedian with a history degree and the host of the podcast, Hilf, History I'd Like to Fuck. Each episode, I am joined by a new guest who has brought me a subject from history that they want to know more about. Then I hit the books, I dig deep in the annals, and stimulate. (laughs) We've covered Frankenstein, Houdini, Joan of Arc, Pompeii, the Salem Witch Trials, right? Join us and find out for yourself that history is a party. And everybody's coming. (laughs) All right, we're back. And now from Boston Sports Journal and the host of Locked On Celtics, also the author of the book, The Boston Celtics, All-Time All-Stars, the best players at each position for the Seas. Also, someone who has actually supported everything that I've done, and I don't know why, and also the second biggest name in contact in my phone, Mr. John Corrales. John, wow. welcome to the show. Welcome to In a Pickle. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, you know the obvious question, right? What? The one. Who's the most who is number one, the most famous contact in your phone? Well, the most famous contact actually happens to be Jonathan Papelbon. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Weirdly <laughs> enough, I have a I have a relationship with Jonathan Papelbon. I don't really understand. I'm still like one of those things when he calls me, I'm like, the hell is this? Is that really Papelbon or is somebody the first time he called me, I was like, no way. Now, is this actually Jonathan Papelbon or is it, this like it one is. of those? It situations. is okay. It's not like some dude on Facebook that says he's Jonathan. Never met <laughs> well, I, I mean, it, it actually could be, but the whole relationship with me and Papelbon started 
when one of my friends, I, you re, you might remember him from uh, Gang Green TV, uh, Mikey D Bag, Mike D'Elia. Yeah, yeah. So he's right now he's battling bone cancer and he's out in San Francisco with his wife. They moved there five six years ago. He's been like you know really depressed and everything. So he's a huge Red Sox fan. So I went mm-hmm. on Cameo. I've, I've told I I did tell this story uh, a couple of times on on uh, on the show, but it's it's a great story. So I went on Cameo. And I got Papelbon for 80 bucks. I mean, you know how Cameo works. Yeah. You're on there. But uh, so I messaged Papelbon. I said, you know, my buddy, blah, blah, blah. Told him everything that's going on. Never got a response. So I went with Tim Wakefield, who responded. And I got my money back from Papelbon. So I got a, a message on Cameo saying, Jonathan Papelbon has messaged you. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I would go on there. And for $1.99, I can retrieve that message. So I did. And Papelbon's like, hey, I'm sorry, I was away on a on a business trip, and I'd love to do it. I'll do it for free if you give me his number. I'll call him, and blah blah blah. So I was like, mm-hmm. wow, okay, great. So I gave him, I gave him his my Mike's number, and they talked, and they became friends. So Mike told him that I do the podcast in a pickle, and he's like, oh, that sounds great. Give me his number. I want to call him, and uh, yeah, I I want to come on the show. So. Mike gave him my number and he called me and he's like, Hey Dave, this is Jonathan Papelbon. Uh, Mike D'Elia gave me your phone number and blah, blah, blah. And he's talking to me. I was like, what? What is this? <laughs> who? Who? What? what? I, I, huh? Who's effing who's with me right now? This isn't right. So then it turns out that he is now in talks with Nesson. So he can't actually come on to the podcast. Uh, so we'll see. Wow. We'll see what happens. Wow. So, hey. So welcome to the two spot. <laughs> it's a fine number two yeah all right so before we get into this episode i just want to state that these are just conspiracies these are not real okay Mm -hmm. there are some facts and some fun things of these stories that make you question a lot of things but i must stress that these are not the truth okay so anything that we talk about today john corrales has a lot of followers and a lot of people read the boston sports <laughs> journal and hopefully you will uh retweet do not this aggregate this do yeah not okay yeah. Yeah. john corrales believes this having fun john john fun. corrales wears a tinfoil hat no. yeah i don't believe right. in conspiracies okay but We're... but let's do it let's have some fun yeah all right so strap on that tinfoil hat of yours, John, and let's dive into the NBA conspiracies, all right? So we've all heard the countless rumors about the NBA. Conspiracies are always going to be a part of the game. We've all heard the Jordan conspiracies, the one of him being suspended for two years by the NBA for gambling, and that is why he's decided to play baseball. There was also the flu game that Jordan had. Jordan dropped 38 points in 44 minutes, including a tiebreaker three-pointer with 25 seconds to go to lead the Chicago Bulls to a 90-88 victory in a 3-2 series lead over the Jazz. After that game, Jordan said that he's been battling an ailment throughout the game. You know, the flu. The flu. Years later, he would say that it was food poisoning. Some people say that he was up all night in a high-stakes poker game that didn't get out till 2 p.m. the the day of the game. 
<laughs> Which, now that we know Jordan's uh, gambling habits, uh, actually could be possibly true. I don't know. But did you two ever hear the Jordan conspiracy that he is Jimmy Butler's biological father? <laughs> <laughs> now, hear me out. <laughs> There are enough facts to string together an otherwise ridiculous claim, but actually seems a little bit plausible. I personally had no idea until I stumbled upon this TikTok video by this guy, Cohen, who runs the account All Hail B-Ball. And I'm telling you, this video actually blew my mind. The way this dude told the story, it made you actually believe that Jordan was Jimmy Butler's father. So this all comes from his little video snippet. So it's rumored that in 1988, while Jordan was engaged to his soon-to-be wife, Juanita, Jordan had an affair with a woman who became pregnant. But Jordan walked out on the baby mama and the child. He paid the woman to be quiet so it wouldn't ruin his marriage. But the six-time NBA champion stopped making payments once his son reached 13 years of age. So... When Jimmy Butler turned 13, his mother kicked him out of her house because she reportedly disapproved of his behavior. The last thing that she said, it's rumored that she said to Jimmy Butler before making him leave was, I don't like the look of you. You've got to go. Jimmy went on to live with his friend and they and then he went to college and eventually got drafted by the Bulls the same team that Jordan made famous. Butler went 30th overall in the 2011 NBA draft. And if you both want a fun fact on this one that fits into the conspiracy world, first overall pick in the 2011 NBA draft, John, do you know? In the what, in what year draft? 2011. 2011. Uh, I forget. Kyrie Irving. Okay. So, if you're attracted to the Kardashian world, then this is also the draft class of Tristan Thompson, O.J. Simpson's daughter's ex-husband. Uh, I I love that joke. John, I constantly say this joke where uh, the Kardashian girl is uh, O.J.'s daughter. What, uh, Sarah, which Kardashian is it? Chloe. Yeah, Chloe, because she's the tallest one and the one that looks exactly like OJ. So that's a conspiracy all by itself. So okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John, welcome to the show. I didn't get yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't <laughs> know. Okay. okay. So Did we you know what conspiracy? you were gonna step I, into I, here. I had no idea. I had no idea. You had no idea no what idea. you were gonna step into here. But let's I'm stepping in it right now. So let's yeah, you're fully in, you're fully in, you're in I'm it. Stepped in. I'm stepped not coming off the sneaker. So, all right. So, what are we diving into this thing? Is it, it possible? It's, it's like gum and shit. All right. So, okay. So, right now you're saying, so Jimmy was kicked out of his house at 13. Big deal. Well, it's been said that the reason his mother kicked him out when he was 13, because he started to look like he could be Michael Jordan's kid. And because the payments ran out. So, another conspiracy fun fact is that Jimmy Butler went to go live with his friend who was named Jordan Leslie. But how many kids in that time were named Jordan? It doesn't matter because <laughs> we're all, all right, open right, this right, in. Right. Now, all this Jordan is Jimmy's dad thing actually started from when Jimmy Butler volunteered at Jordan's basketball camp one year. 
And there at the camp, tons of people on social media started saying that the two men really resembled each other. In a side-by-side picture of the two of them, they actually look like the same person. So, could this be true, or could it be bull? <laughs> Thank you. Either way, it's a funny conspiracy, and yet sure. another Jordan one. So, what do you guys think? Could this be uh, fact or crap? So, while, while you were talking, I did, like, because this is what I do. I said, okay. <laughs> so, Jimmy Butler, birthday, September 14th, 1989, born in Houston, Texas. So, September 14th. That's the ninth month. So did Jordan play in Houston in oh. January? Went back, Ooh. looked at the 1988-89 season. 1989, no games in Houston in January, but they played at Houston February 3rd. So the question is, did the answer to your question is, was Jimmy Butler born early? If he was born on time, then it's not possible because he wasn't in Houston at the time. But if he was born early, now you got something. So that's the question. If somebody wants to add some legitimacy to the conspiracy, you find out if Jimmy Butler, okay, so September 14th. So that's that's got to be January 14th. So he had to have been born three weeks early or so. Three, something which, like which that. Which is possible. It's a possible. Which is it's a possibility. So if you can find out, if Jimmy Butler was born three weeks early, then you can say, well, hey, Chicago at Houston, February 3rd, 1989. Huh. And it was a loss. So that was, hey, maybe uh, maybe uh, Jordan had tired legs from. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Never know. I obviously I don't think this is the case. Yeah. But but I mean, it's. Here's the other reason why I don't think this is the case because the children of great basketball players never pan out. No one. Well, that's a great point. No one, like, no massively awesome player. Like, we'll see what Bronny James does, but Jordan's actually like, this is my son. This is, you know, we know this is his son. He never panned out. Right. The, the, the children, for some reason, of these players don't really come out and, and become. Great basketball players. And Jimmy Butler, to me, is too good a basketball player to actually be the son of a former basketball player. Now, the, the catch would be, I think some of these guys aren't as good uh, as their their parents because they they are born into these great situations. And they don't right, have I was just gonna the same that, motivation yeah. As, yeah. as dad would. You know, like like Jordan grew up and, and had all of this adversity. And a lot of these guys grew up and have all of these adversity. And they kind of build... Uh, they, they kind of build off of that. They use it right. as motivation. So when you are the son of a billionaire and you come in, you're like, yeah, go, you got to go out there and work hard. Be like, why? We're rich. Yeah, for what? Right. You know, like, I'm, I'm wearing sneakers with your face on it, dad. Why do I got to go work hard? Right. Like, just sell some more sneakers. I don't got to do a damn thing. Once so, you die, I'm just going to inherit all that money anyway. So it doesn't right, matter. Right. right. So I'm just waiting, for, yeah, I'm waiting for you to kick it. So, but yeah. but if Jimmy Butler was abandoned, then maybe that kind of takes away some of that stuff. The the beauty of com- conspiracy theories is the shred of plausibility that right. is in there. Oh, well, he was in Houston. So if he was born early, right. maybe, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you never know. Yeah, I can see I'm looking at a young picture of Michael Jordan. I'm seeing a picture of Jimmy Butler. I, you know, I can I can see it. I can see it. So there, there is a side by side on the Internet. I did see it somewhere, but it is. I mean, it's. 
a young photo of Jordan and a, a young photo of Butler. And it's like, well, okay. Yeah. They have, Oh yeah. Some, I see this the split screen. Okay. Yeah. yeah they have some similarities. Similar, yeah. Similar features. Sure. Definitely. But I mean, sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you I, side I, by I, side, anybody, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, yeah. let's side by side us. us. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Uh, hey, we'll we'll see. Yeah. Oh, this side. Which side? Yeah. Right there, see, you go. Side by side. We, what do we look like? What see, we all look, we're, oh we're my all God! <laughs> You're my father, David. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, because I think I'm 12 years older than you. Uh, I don't think you're that older than me, but that's all right. All right, so it, that I, I I agree with all of that. That's I, I always just the whole Jimmy Butler is Jordan's dad is just funny because it's just another Jordan conspiracy that just sure. goes in the book of Jordans, right? But this next one is a little bit weird, too. This one involves the New York Knicks, okay? Ooh, I love weird Knicks theories. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we all remember the frozen envelope conspiracy that got the Knicks the first pick in the 85 draft that landed them Patrick Ewing. This Knicks conspiracy is not only funny, but it actually fits perfect into this show. And... This one actually might have some legs, all right? So in the 70s and 80s, attendance in the NBA was at an all-time low. Interest in the game was diminishing, and the league had a terrible drug problem. Cocaine was all the rage in a frequent buy of all the NBA players. This was in the years before the collective bargaining agreement for the drug test program to be put in place. So during the 81-82 season, FBI informants claimed that a coked-up Knicks player fixed games as a favor to their drug dealer who bet big dollars against the team. So the feds probed whether three Knicks players who reportedly were heavy cocaine users and their dealer, who was one of the largest dealers on the East Coast, shaved points in exchange for free drugs. According to FBI documents cited by Brian Tooley's book, Larceny Games, Sports Gamblings, Game Fixings in the FBI. So the dealer was also a degenerate gambler because that's exactly the combination that you want. He would usually bet around $300 a game. The informants told investigators that on January 1982, he began placing $10,000 bets on the Knicks for the opponents to win the game. By March 25th, the Coke dealer had won six out of the seven five-figure bets against the Knicks while still continuing to make his normal $300 wages on other NBA games. All three players had been given tips on when to bet the Knicks to lose. This has occurred seven times and six of the tips were good, according to the FBI files, citing two unnamed sources. So, at the time, FBI moles began to suspect the Knicks trio were betting against themselves. In November of 1982, the informant told the feds that one of the schemers owed a large gambling debt, quote-unquote large gambling debt, to the Lucy crime family bookie. So many people say it's impossible to fix games, but you can see how easily you can get hooked on drugs. But... Tim Donaghy would disagree. A point-shaving hoopster could tank his performance to make the final score closer than it should be, helping those who bet on the underdog. 
or a crooked player could make a mistake by inflating the margin of the feet, adding to a favor better, right? So initially, the FBI didn't believe players were shaving points, but just extending a courtesy to their Coke dealer regarding inside player information, maybe such as like injury reports or mm-hmm. maybe somebody stubbed their toe before a game or blah, blah, blah. The names of the players and dealers were retracted in the FBI document. Some people think that the players involved were Michael Ray Richards or Michael Ray Richardson, who played for the Knicks from 78 to 82 and was traded after this story went public to the Warriors for Bernard King, who also had a drug problem, and Alex Bradley, who played one year with the Knicks, but also left when this story was released. He went to go play overseas. So fun fact, Richardson was actually banned for life from the NBA in 1986 for violating the NBA's drug policy three times. Richardson bitterly complained that the suspension the suspension that he received from the NBA was unfair given the fact that Chris Mullen was never disciplined by the league for his well-documented alcohol problems. He was implying that it was a double standard against Richardson because he was black and Mullen was white and this became a destructive lifestyle in the NBA. So, is this a possibility is this fact or is this crap i would say it would be more on the insider information given not so much the shaving because at the same point in time if you have you know drugs in the 80s especially in um all sports across the board was running rampant and it's something where you know you come off a bender and you're playing a game you're probably not going to play well enough to even be conscious or mindful that you are going to be missing shots or trying to make it a close game to hit the point spread. Providing inside information and stuff like that, I could see having more legs, um, you know, because it always goes back to the Chicago White Sox, you know, all of that. But this isn't as intense as that where it was a payday fully. I think that this was just something where, all right, a little information a little drugs here, a little, you know, I'll scratch your back a little, you scratch mine just to keep me able Whose to party. Whose knee hurts, here's a, here's a baggie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So just kind of like a, you know, little little thing here and there. I don't right. see it as being like a huge, major, crazy conspiracy. I, you know, but but a lot of people talk in general. Um, A lot of athletes, if they weren't, I mean, now they have more media training and press training where they know not to say certain things about players. Um, a lot of that information is actually out there on who's on the as to who is on an injury report, but it's something that players then would just spew whatever they could. Right. And so a lot of it was known information. What do you think, John? Yeah, so 70s NBA, it's kind of like the Wild West, right? This is, this is a, a really tough time, as you said. You got the ABA as a challenger, You've got uh, audiences are not there. This is the this is the lowest point in NBA history, and yes, drugs were a huge problem. And so, I I do believe in the possibility that that players may have found ways during games to maybe maybe point shave, maybe maybe do some some fixing here and there. So again, what I do, uh, I so I'm looking at 1982 Knicks. <laughs> 
uh, box scores now. I'm like, okay, Michael Ray Richardson, during I'm looking at losses in January, he's okay, this is a good game. Michael Ray Richardson, 27 points on 50% shooting in a loss. Uh, 7 of 13 shooting in a loss. Uh, 8 of 15 shooting in a loss. Okay, so I'm like, oh, maybe it's maybe it's not much there. And then all of a sudden there's this 2 of 7 game and 4 points in a 14-point loss to Phoenix. And then there's this, uh, which is a 5 of 11 game. 10 points in a loss to the Indiana Pacers. The Knicks weren't good this year. And so losses aren't necessarily something that are surprising, but then you say, okay, well there, you know, everybody has a bad game. Right. That's the whole thing. When you're, when you're point shaving, you you can't make it obvious. This, this would be the era in the NBA where this I think would happen. It's probably not very plausible today. First of all, guys today make too much money. Right. So that's right, something yeah. that I think has gone. They can on. afford their drugs. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the seventies; these guys are broke. I mean, they, these guys are, are coming off of. Uh, you know, they're not making tons of money. So if you don't make a ton of money, and you're playing in a league where there's not a ton of eyes on you, yeah, I can see some plausibility to this. I don't know if it's if it's Richardson or if it's somebody else or, or what, but. This this is a, about the era where point shaving, some sort of gambling impropriety is is very believable. So uh, I don't know I don't know the if if we want to implicate anybody with the specifics, but I I would not be surprised uh, mm-hmm. if it, it's it, but it is hard to do with a spotlight like that. It's hard to do with multiple players like that, and it, it has to be a very tight knit kind of packed and it can't right. be you got to be smart about it you can't just go out there and be like hey every other night i'm gonna like shoot like crap and you know these guys are in on it and they're gonna have their bad nights and it's, i think after a while smart people see a pattern like how did these three guys all suck at the same time <laughs> right you know, <laughs> you know? Right. like if you were watching the games you'd be like wow tatum grant williams and sam hauser all have bad shooting nights all at the same time. It's just like too many eyes are on that for it to be accomplished without raising suspicion. But obviously you said they, they did raise suspicion. So right. uh, is it is it again, plausibility is at the heart of all of these conspiracies. But in in this instance, if if it were shown to be true, I, I would not be shocked in the least bit because the era and the circumstances, you know, this is this is like Vegas, Vegas had been like uh, constructed only like, tw- was it 20, 30 years earlier? Like, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, the, the gangsters, Bugsy Siegel, you know, broke ground on the Flamingo while most of these guys were born. So I think Vegas was still very much literally and figuratively the Wild West. So I think there's there, the connection there is still is still kind of loose enough and seedy enough where I, I can see the, all the ingredients that are there to make the soup. Right. <laughs> so I can see Yeah, it, right? especially since it's New York, which was a hub, quote unquote, yeah. for the mafia. Yeah. So having the ties from Las Vegas to New York and then Knicks being in a huge media market, yeah. it's something yeah. too that helps tie that sure. um, possibility it, you know, it's together. Tougher. It's tougher in a large media market because people are more people are paying attention. So you you do kind of want to, but, but that, if that's where the, the, that's where the drugs are and that's where the people are having problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah right. I can, I, I can totally see that. There's, there's a lot that happened in the seventies 
with the NBA and and athletes that I I kind of nothing would surprise me. Right. right. A lot of it from that time frame going into the 80s, too. I mean, for us in in Boston, like we dealt with the loss of Len Bias, like that was like, you know, gut wrenching and that was drug related. So that's something that, you know, that was where we started spiraling a little bit more. But then the NBA woke up and was like, oh, we do have a problem. That whole 1986 draft is cursed. Like that whole what a nightmare. Like, there's there's a bunch of guys from that draft era that I, I think the whole first round is is pretty much a bust, right? As far as I, I mean, I can't I can't tell you everybody that's on the the first round that was selected, but I think the second round was the most successful out of all of them. The second round of '86 was produced the the better of the players. Brad Doherty was a was a hit. He was the number one pick. Yeah, he that, he was good. He went on to. Uh, isn't he? Doesn't he own a NASCAR team? He owns now? a NASCAR <laughs> team now. Yeah, 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 yeah. He got big into NASCAR. Yeah. Dude, he was he was huge. He was he's an awesome player for the for the Cavs. And obviously, you got Lenny Bias. Um, you got to go down to yeah, there's Kenny Skywalker. Chuck no. Person was good. He was the fourth overall pick. Roy Tarpley had the drug problems. Ron Harper was pretty good. John Sally was pretty good. Del Curry was pretty good. He's he went fifteenth. Um, not, it's not, it's not a very, oh, Scott Skiles, gritty, gutty, Scotty Skiles, uh, Arvidas Sabonis was there, but he I mean, obviously didn't come over until way, 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 way later, but yeah, second round this is, this is back. They had five, six, seven rounds. The NBA draft went seven rounds. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. Mark Price, Dennis Rodman, Jeff Hornacek. The last pick in the seventh round goes to the last pick <laughs> in the seventh round. Was Whatever Tom, guy is mopping up Tom the school Ivey gymnasium <laughs> to the Boston Celtics. Tom oh. Ivy. That uh, guy never even saw the garden. No, no, I'm sure he got tickets. You know, he <laughs> <laughs> could get tickets to the. He scalped some tickets. Yeah, yeah. yeah he went to, to he went to Boston Fest. University. Local kid. They probably you know did a local kid a favor. Oh right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They were like, we'll give you this towel. Try to cool people off because yeah. it's so hot in here. Well, you know, this is this is like one of the cool stories where you go like to your insurance job and you're like, you know, I was actually drafted by the Boston Celtics. <laughs> and like, you're, you're at the bar. You're at the bar. And, you know, I was drafted by the Celtics. Yeah. It was glory oh, really? days. Yeah, I was playing on the jukebox. Second. So, <sighs> all right. So this next one is the last one, but it's also a murder mystery linked with a conspiracy. Hmm. So this is about the disappearance of Bison Dealey. So Bison oh, yeah, Dealey. on a boat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was born Brian Carson Williams. And in 1989, uh, I'm sorry, 1998, he changed his name to Bison Dealey to honor his Native American Cherokee and his African ancestry. He also played his final season under this name. Bison, which is a kick-ass name, was drafted by the Orlando Magic in 1991, 10th overall. Does anybody know who the first overall pick was in the 91 draft? Grandmama. Grandmama. Larry Johnson. Bison saw limited action during his two seasons in Orlando after playing for the Magic. Williams would join the Denver Nuggets, where he played for two seasons. In 93-94, he played a career-high 80 games and averaged 8 points per game. Williams then played one year with the Clippers, getting an increase in playing time and averaging 15.8 points a game. Due to a contract dispute, 
and reports that Williams' asking price was way too high, he could not find a team at the beginning of the 96-97 season, sitting out for most of that season. He was signed by the Chicago Bulls nine games before the end of the season and became an important backup player in the Bulls' run for their fifth championship. Williams finished his career playing two seasons in with the Detroit Pistons, where he set a career-high 16.2 points a game and 8.9 rebounds in 97-98. But all of a sudden, Bison decides to retire from the NBA before the start of the 99-2000 season at the age of 30, when he was still in the prime of his career. He had been the Pistons' highest-paid player, but has strained relationships with the organization and decided to walk away from the remaining five years and $36.4 million left on his contract. He didn't want to be traded, and he'd rather just leave. So, it has also been theorized that he never been especially passionate about playing basketball, and he felt that he had earned enough money to allow him to walk away from the pro game and his lifestyle. Must be nice. Must be. Jeez. So, now, fast forward to July 6th, 2002. Bison and his girlfriend, Sierra Carlin, along with skipper Bertrand Saldo, sailed from Tahiti on Dealey's catamaran called the Akuna Matata. Bison's brother, Miles, was the only person involved in the voyage who was seen or heard from after July 8th, 2002, when the last of three satellite phone calls from the voyage were made. Dealey and Carlin had previously kept regular contact with their banks and family members. On July 20th, Miles brought the boat into, the, into Tahiti, where he was alone aboard the vessel. So, now, on September 6th, 2002, police used a sting operation organized by Bison's family and friends to detain Miles in Phoenix. Miles had forged Bison's signature in order to buy $152,000 worth of gold under his brother's name, using Bison's passport as ID. Mexican police later found out that Miles was staying in a hotel in Tijuana, which, if you haven't, don't ever go to Tijuana. Two days before the Acuna Matata, which was registered in Tahiti under another name, was found off the coast of Tahiti, with the nameplate removed and some possible bullet holes have been patched. About the same time, Miles called his mother, telling her that he would never hurt Bison and that he could not survive in prison. I feel that, though. I couldn't survive in prison either. The FBI's and the Very French... <laughs> what? Very easy. Yeah. <laughs> just just go knock out the biggest guy you can find. <laughs> That's what they all say, right? You just go yeah. knock out... Just I don't know. Oh, I don't know if that. I, I just right don't there, even right, want to. Right, right here, right here. Wow. I just then, don't even want to now, test it out. You run the place, right? Like that's right. How... everybody's got to give you their commissary. That's right. I knocked yeah. them out. Now give me your fruit roll-ups. My my image of Dave trying to knock out the big guy is him attempting to do so and missing completely and punching and myself and punching yourself or yeah. like somebody else, and it's just like it's a '90s which, sitcom melee. Which also could 
show a little bit of uh, of uh, power in the uh, oh, no, prison yard. It's no, a very uh, that guy just dead. knocked himself out. He looks crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's very uh, Simpsons. Yeah, you guys see the Simpsons episode where he fights Dreadrick Tatum. Oh yeah, yes. yeah. yeah, yeah. Marge comes running down from the stands like you got to fight back. That cactus is right. I gotta <laughs> knock him out. Big, big swing, big miss. And then Tatum just hits him right on top of the head, and you go, ooh. <laughs> that's, that's how that would go. That's exactly that's how That's it. Would it. Go. Absolutely. <laughs> so the FBI and French authorities became involved in the investigation and concluded that Dealey, Carlin, and Saldo were probably murdered and thrown overboard by Miles. Given that the bodies were likely dumped in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, it would be highly unlikely that the three would ever be found. Miles, the only first, the only person who actually knows the truth, intentionally overdosed on insulin and slipped into a coma. On September 27th, 2002, Miles died in a California hospital. In his account of the events, Miles said that he and his brother had gotten into a fight and that Carlin had accidentally hit and died when her head struck a part of the boat. When Saldo wanted to report her death, a panicked bison killed him. Miles then shot his brother in self-defense, threw the bodies overboard, and fled back to the States. It is not known if Miles' story is true that bison wanted to kill Saldo and that Miles had to shoot his brother in self-defense because that wouldn't explain why Miles allegedly threw the bodies overboard and then overdosed on the insulin. Instead, explaining to authorities what happened, if it were all true, after Miles' death, officials did not expect to find much more regarding this case, and a memorial service was held for Dealey. As of today, Bison has been missing for almost 21 years. So, not so much a conspiracy, more just like a murder mystery with the possibility of a hint of conspiracy? I think personally that Miles took them all out, killed them, and then wanted to take Bison's checkbook and just go crazy. Didn't they investigate the boat and it looked like there was foul play and there was blood? Yeah, there was blood. Um, there yeah, was... and they found like a wrench or something somewhere that they think that may have been a weapon used in it. Yeah, plus and there was the like some. Holes. Yeah, the bullet holes, and then there was some New Zealand girl who he had also, uh, Miles had also phoned. There was like a lot of weird loose ends with this whole story that I was like, huh? What? Yeah. Huh? Feels like feels like crime of passion to me, right? Yeah. Yes. Feels like crime of passion. Feels like maybe. Uh, so so was she was was the girlfriend Bison Daly's girlfriend like with the brother as well? Oh. you know like oh. that this little love this, triangle yeah this feels like it's either it's either a setup which i think would have been a lot cleaner right if it's a setup where he's like i'm gonna go i'm gonna take him out we're gonna charter this boat and when we get out to the middle of it, i'm just gonna shoot everybody dump the dump the thing and then make it look like you know i survived and whatever like i think i think there's some level of planning that happens with something right. And I think there the the investigation would have shown something a little bit more deliberate. Whereas 
this feels like crime of passion where girl reveals that she's in love with the other brother. Um, something comes out, fight ensues. Somebody gets knocked, you know, like I feel like it's a, it's a fight. It's somebody falls. Look what you did. Now we're screwed. Gun comes out. Boom, boom, boom. And now it's like, Oh crap. Oh crap. Oh crap. Oh crap. What do I do? How do I get out of this? And you know, this, this person's now in the middle of the ocean. I've just killed multiple people. How do I, how do I deal with this? Right. So I feel like, I feel like if, if we're, if law and order has taught me anything, it's, <laughs> it's that the messier crimes are crimes of passion that happen in the moment. And they're the ones that are, are kind of like tend not to be explained. If you're, if you're going to overdose and kill yourself, you're, you're doing it because you can't live with the guilt. You're like, oh, my God, I just killed my brother. I just killed all these people. I can't live right. with myself. You know, if you've planned all this, that person is, you know, already that person has a psychopathic tendency and is, is going to do everything he can to get away with the crime. And, you know, until he's arrested and goes to trial and then maybe at that point he's like, okay, I can't, can't go to prison. I, I just feel like this this was messy and spur of the moment, and those things tend to be yeah. the love triangle type of stories. Yeah, that's a good. That's a great I, point. I was trying to figure out like how the skipper or like factors into this, and then I was thinking as you were speaking about this crime of passion, and I was like, okay, so he's onto something. She could have been with the brother, and. Then the brother was convincing Bison, convincing Bison that it was actually the skipper. So Bison wanted to kill the skipper, and he could have gotten into a fight with her. Whoa. And then it could have been something where they got into a fight, and he she hit her head, and then acted in self self defense to protect her by killing bison and then the skipper was like i don't know what's going on this is crazy and then he was like no witnesses and then there we are you get the charlie yeah. day board behind you with just yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the tax and the, the <laughs> rope yeah. up. Or, up. the skipper theory good the skipper is just the poor bastard who was who was just, just trapped in there and he's like oh god i just witnessed the murder listen I, let me just drive you back i don't care i just want to go home and he's like no yeah. No. Also, what? Where's Gilligan in all of this? If that's what I'm saying. No. Where, where did Gilligan come Why in? You this is what happens when you don't have a first mate. Yeah, and you need a mate, another like a Marianne and the movie star. You need yeah. more. Yeah. Well, I don't yeah. know. And the Skipper Natalie theory Wood doesn't case. Fly with me without. I mean, Bison was the millionaire, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the so. boats don't always work out, as we can ask Natalie Wood. Um, no. It is yeah, what it I, is. I think I've seen enough. I've seen enough of these like I survived or these other shows where it's like the nice secluded. Hey, let's just go on a boat with these people and go for a ride. That never that never works out that nope. like, yeah, we're going to go for this long boat. ride. We're going to go from Florida to Bermuda. It's going to be nice. It's going to take a couple of days. We're going to cruise out and be like, you know what? I'm going to get on a plane. I'll meet you there. Right. That, you know what? That That's where this is going. I'm not right. doing this crap. I don't need any of this. No. No, Let's no, no, take no. a jet ski from Florida to the Bermuda. Yeah, no, 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 no. I've seen enough. I've seen enough. Somebody dies in that scenario every time, and yeah. then it then 
either either I'm the one that's dead or I'm the one that's accused. That's like right. No, that's the thing, right? Like somebody's always thing. gonna believe that I did it, and you know, hopefully I've covered my tracks enough. <laughs> all right so we'll end it there so john doesn't go to jail for that so john thank you so much for coming on the show this was amazing it was great to see you again uh hopefully you will come back on if we have another nba episode um hopefully you don't lose conspiracies yeah well we'll we'll have another show that's not conspiracy based after oh whatever yes but you know uh, hopefully you don't lose massive amounts of followers. <laughs> so, all right. So John Corrales, he is on the Boston Sports Journal. Go and listen to him on Locked On the Celtics. On Locked On Celtics, and go buy his book. If you go on Amazon, you can get it personalized. Right? Is that you can get personalized through my website? You, Ooh, Amazon, you nice. can get it. You can get it on Amazon. Just get it. Uh, you go to my website, JohnCorrales.com. I will sign it. Send me what you want me to say within acceptable social norms. I will sign it. <laughs> Happy birthday. I mean, I will not. Uh, I'm going. Oh. I'm going for gold, too. Well, I mean, for you, for you, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe an F-bomb. For Ooh, you. I like that. Yeah, I, I'll right. drop an F-bomb for you. I like that. But, you know, I like that. Uh, yeah. Generally speaking, if I don't understand the language and I think it's some coded crap, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fall down that Brett Favre, you know, hole or whatever. Right. You know, no, one of those guys. You know, one of those guys say something like they're on cameo and somebody said, "Hey, yeah, can you say this?" And it was some like old racist kind of kind of like. Oh no way. Like, Yeah. 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 Somebody. I think it was. I want to say it was Brett Favre or somebody. One of the athletes was was given a message and he said yeah you know so-and-so wants me to say blah 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 and then it was like uh dude that's like a white nationalist kind of creed and it's like oh crap so yeah <laughs> oh so if you're wondering why i'm being careful about it yeah why that's why yeah you have to be yeah yeah, yeah. well the book is the boston celtics all-time all-stars the best players in each uh, each position for the celtics Check it out, johncorrales.com. John, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. I hope both. that you will, again, come on next time. Maybe we'll have a uh, NBA show. We can talk about uh, some player who had it all in a lost all. The playoffs are coming up. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. Hey, so whatever. Lots uh, to talk about. So, all right. So, follow us at iepradio.com. Go over to our Twitter and our Instagram account. Check those out. Follow us there. And uh, Daddy O Sports Cards. Check out Sarah's Sports Cards. She's got a whole long list. She's just eBaying them right now. So, IAPRadio.com. For Sarah Ray Dalek, I'm Dave Houghton, and we will see you next time. Bye. Goodbye.